Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning on this Friday, the 8th of July, 2022. Where in the word are you today? I'm in Matthew chapter 4. So after he shares the story of Jesus's 40-day experience in the wilderness and his direct confrontation with the devil there, uh, Matthew tells us this, picking up at verse 12 in chapter 4. Now, when... Jesus heard that John, that would be John the Baptist, his cousin, had been arrested. He withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. So I'm going to read this passage from uh, Isaiah, and you are going to be mindful that this is often read um, around Christmas. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. The light has dawned. So from that time forward, uh, Matthew tells us, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I want to declare to you this morning um, that Jesus is the light of the world. He came that we might see God and that in seeing God, we might see ourselves and that we might rightly see everything else. In Jesus Christ, light has dawned and nothing and no one can ever extinguish it. Jesus says of himself, um, as recorded in John chapter 8, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Again, from Matthew in chapter five, Matthew records that Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world and let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. Paul, in his letter to the Christians at Philippi, describes believers as, quote, shining like stars in the midst of a dark and perverse generation, holding out to others the word of truth. So this morning, do you feel as if you're living in the midst of darkness, as if the darkness is pressing in, or are you living in the light of Christ? And then as the light of Christ the light of the world, letting your light so shine before others that they would indeed be able to see and then glorify God because you helped make him known. Well, in um, in eight minutes, uh, something's going to happen that only happens once every year. Um, And I think that it is a good day and a good time for us to point to the reality of something that happened at one point in time that that changes every moment of every day of every year. So the thing that's about to happen at 7.15 Eastern or 6.15 Central or 5.15 Mountain or 4.15 
uh, Pacific time, depending where you're listening right now. Um, at that moment, at a quarter after this hour, so now in seven minutes, uh, 99% of the world's population will be in the light of the sun. 99% of the world's population is going to be in the light of the sun, in view of the sun. About 6.4 billion of us will be in full daylight, and another 1.2 billion people will experience twilight. So, 99% of the world's population experiencing the light of the sun, but not nearly that many experiencing the reality of the light of Christ. So, we know the good news. The light has come. The true light of life has come. Um, Comes now by the present power of the Holy Spirit, and he's coming again. And right now, we get to bear witness to the reality of the light of Christ, to the reality of who he is, that light has shone in the darkness, and we get to bear witness to him. So let me invite you to consider, as 99% of the world's population, at, at one moment, at a quarter after this hour, is going to be technically in the light of the sun, God wants a full 100% of people to experience the light of the reality of Christ. And we have a long way to go to show him forth today. That's why I'm here. Why are you here? And where in the word are you this morning? We're going to catch up with our friend Steve West uh, about what's going on at the intersection of religious liberty and the reality of life today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. with the Liberties Roundup from World News Group. You can find what we're talking about today at worldnewsgroupwng.org. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. All right. uh, Share with me why religion and talking about religion, specifically talking about my religion, is not harassment. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, there's a, uh, you're referring to a court case, actually, that came out of the University of Idaho, uh, and that is uh, three different law students there, um, members of Christian Legal Society, uh, were issued no contact orders by the administration there because they spoke to an LGBTQ student about their belief that the Bible only sanctioned marriage between one man and one woman. And so because they did that, uh, shared that belief with her, they were issued these no contact orders, which is very difficult in a small school setting to avoid a student when you actually have classes with the student. So a judge recently overturned those no contact orders as a violation of free speech. Uh, so what I, I think that suggests about, uh, suggests about uh, this kind of um, encounter is that there's a, real, um, there's a real lack of understanding of what free speech is. And there's also, uh, it, as I read about this particular student who identified as female, um, yeah, I just uh, looked at that and I thought, you know, there's something else going on here with this student because let me just quote just a little bit of what she said about what was going on. Just that conversation and that she's talking about. She said, your event caused me to fear for my life at the University of Idaho 
I'm scared to be on campus. I'm scared to be in class. I fear you. So, you know, that indicates to me that there's a lot going on in that student's life uh, when they can't uh, actually just hear speech that uh, they can't agree with. So it just tells you something is happening and that that person really that that person needs needs the Lord. I think that the um, the confusion in our culture um, and the confusion in the disintegration that we see around us and and we experience ourselves at some level um, is very, very real and it can be very disorienting. And so I think it is helpful for us to be reminded what you know, what is free speech? What is freedom of religious expression? Um, where do we live? What what is reality? Um, and um, and then to walk in that. I mean, to walk gently and to walk respectfully of others, but to walk in that, not to be sort of frozen by the fear of other people um, and their desire to uh, live in a reality that is um, that is actually not in accordance with the truth or a truth that is not in accordance with reality. Like, right, I can't, I cannot, um, I cannot live upside down um, just because that's the way someone else in the world wants me to live. I, I am going to stand on the two feet that God has given me and on the truth that I know and on that firm foundation, and I'm going to walk in it. Um, and others are going to be offended by that. They were offended by the reality of Christ, and they're going to be offended by the reality of Christ, uh, by the presence of the Holy Spirit in believers today. That's right, Carmen. And, you know, these these three law students really just stood up for what they believed in. They were very gentle about it. Uh, they expressed their belief, and they also followed up with a note to the, uh, to the student uh, that challenged them, just saying, hey, if you want to talk anytime, uh, we're happy to talk with you if you have any questions. So it was a very gentle approach, which is appropriate, uh, but it, it was something that she, she could not receive. And so you have to expect these kind of challenges to come. And all the illegal arena does here, all of these, these cases that we talk about, what they do is they provide a place in the public square for Christian beliefs to be expressed and a place where hopefully Christians and other members of other religions can live out their, their beliefs you know, with integrity. All right, literally um, right now, 99% of the world's population um, is in the sunlight. Like it's happening right now. I know that for you, those of you who are on uh, the west coast of the United States of America, you got to look pretty far to the eastern horizon to see um, to see that twilight. But you're in it. You're in it. Light has dawned where you are, um, and the sun has not yet set um, You know, all the way halfway around the world. Um, and so in its high noon, um, you know, in the Horn of Africa. So um, right now we're going to pray for the light of Christ to shine in the same way that the sun is shining. Um, Holy God, let your light shine today and let it shine through us. Let people not only look to uh, the sun above, um, but to the sun, your sun, radiant right here and right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Open blind eyes to see and let people who are walking in darkness Holy God, be transferred today to the kingdom of light. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Steve West and I will be right back. All 
All right, every year on uh, January 1st and July the 1st, new laws take effect in states across the country and in municipalities. Those happen to be the two dates, January 1 and July 1, when most new laws take effect. And so we want to briefly pause here in our conversation with Steve West, who is the editor of the Liberties Roundup at World News Group, and talk about um, a state law that has taken effect in Florida. So this is just one example of um, of a law that took effect on July the 1st. And we just want to make people aware of these things, because if I'm in Florida, right, I'm subject to the laws of the state of Florida. Um, and I just think that it's good for us to be mindful of, of actually, you know, what is the law of the land now in Florida on this particular topic? Right, Carmen, this is a law that has been dubbed by Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida as the Stop Woke Act. And so we've heard about woke views. Well, this is tries to get at a particular uh, theory called critical race theory. Everyone's heard of that, too, uh, that basically introduces into schools and, and into some workplaces ideas that um, uh, a teaching about one member of one race or color or national origin being morally superior or inherently racist or sexist. Um, and it also bars teaching that moral character or status is predetermined by race. So you know, if you're uh, if you're if you're white, this would say you had this inherent bias. Uh, you're you're racist. Uh, you know, whether you know it or not, whether you think you're that way or not, and so you should feel some responsibility and guilt or anguish about that past discrimination in which you actually you didn't play any part, but you're a part of a particular race. And so this idea has been um, fostered in schools and in. Uh, workplace training. And so this law attempts to get at that and say, uh, no, we're not going to train or teach in that particular way. So it's come under attack a couple of different lawsuits in Florida as a violation of free speech, which Christians in general support free speech, of course, it's part of the Constitution. Uh, But this is a theory that has gained precedence in the schools, particularly in primary and secondary schools and in some workplaces as well. And and it's uh, one that's come under come under fire uh, by uh, by the state of Florida. So when I consider this, um, Steve, one of the things that I'm mindful of from a worldview perspective is that people who believe that human beings evolved and that um, natural selection is the way that we arrived at races and people groups and that um the fittest are the ones who survive or the strongest are the ones who survive. I mean, that's actually the basis of these 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 quote unquote woke ideas um, that one race would be superior to another, that one race would be inherently um, dismissive of or uh, or looking down upon another race. Um, I mean, like there's actually nothing wrong with racism if you believe in evolution, and I think this is the worldview conversation that Christians fail to sort of lift back the curtain on when we talk about these kinds of conversations and challenges. The only way we can make the appeal that all men, all, are created equal in God's image is if we appeal to the reality that there is a creator God who makes human beings, male and female, red, yellow, black, and white, in his image, and equally so with no partiality. So I, I think that this is ultimately um, a worldview contest between those who disregard God and those who regard God. 
think that's right, Carmen. You know, these theories, uh, critical race theory is rooted in Marxist theory, which is really just a theory of, uh, of who has power. You know, and in this case, uh, the, the, the oppressors, uh, whoever's sort of the race that's in power has power. And uh, the, the, there's others who are victims who are the oppressed. And so it's a it's a it's a power thing, and and there's no inherent basis in it for treating anyone uh, with with dignity. And so we we get that, like you say, from the the fact that Christian, but all people are made in the image of God, and so therefore they're entitled to dignity and worth and value uh, and respect. And without that, you really can't have that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, tell us what um, what's going on from your perspective in terms of a review of this latest term of the Supreme Court. You describe it as a banner term for religious liberty. Well, it certainly has been. I think, you know, um, uh, the Beckett Fund's Mark Rienzi just, just summed it up really well. He said that it's the cases, three different cases, are part of a long cleanup of decades of religious liberty law that went far astray. So if you go back, uh, as far as uh, actually not that far back in May, because all these decisions came recently in May, there was a case out of Boston where uh, the city you know, briefly allowed uh, different flags of different groups to fly, fly outside City Hall, except they would not allow a flag to be flown that had a cross on it. Even though they allowed, they allowed the, uh, the pride flag, they allowed you know flags of different uh, community groups, but not the Christian flag and the coat court there said that the, the city could not discriminate against um, the Christian flag of this organization if it permitted other flags to be flown, because it was the only flag they didn't permit. And they emphasized uh, that, you know, even-handed treatment of religious people does not violate the Constitution's, uh, the Constitution. It doesn't violate the Establishment Clause. The government that isn't actually establishing a religion or promoting religion if it allows that flag to fly. And that would go for a lot of other things as well. You know, you see that show up in another case, Carson versus Macon. Uh, it's a case where the court sided with uh, Christian parents in Maine who wanted to use state tuition assistance to pay for their children to attend religious schools in areas where no public schools were available. So half of Maine, uh, half of the counties in Maine don't have public schools because they're so rural, it just, just doesn't make sense. So that's so the uh, state gives tuition assistance to allow uh, parents to send their, their children in the place of public education to private education, to school. And, uh, but they barred them from uh, uh, sending their kids to schools that are religious in nature. And the court said you could not do that, uh, that this was unequal treatment and discriminatory. Uh, and they had to treat religious and non-religious parents alike. And it violated the parents' free exercise of religion. So another case that was favorable toward religious persons. And then finally, I think everybody knows about Coach Joseph Kennedy uh, and his uh, run-in with the Bremerton School District out in Washington State. You know, He wanted to pray midfield after the game, after everything was over. He wanted to go and say a brief personal prayer midfield, and the school ultimately fired him for doing that. Uh, and here the court upheld his right to be able to do that and said it wasn't government speech subject to school control. It was his own private time, his own private speech. And just because some student might see him praying uh, is not enough for the school to think that, well, it's promoting religion, so therefore we can't do it. Uh, the, the court signaled that uh, 
you know, state actors, governments have to respect religion, that people of faith are, you know, welcome in every aspect of society. So I think the whole feeling you get from this term is that uh, religious people are going to be treated equally to non-religious people. There's no disfavoring of them. And also, you know, the public square is open for religious people to voice their views just like anyone else can voice their particular views. You know, is that going to lead to a Christian society? No. It's just going to provide uh, an open place, an open forum where our views can be expressed. So it's still incumbent upon us to, to go out and to say, uh, to, to witness and to go out and to testify to the truth that we know. Yeah, even even at cost sometimes of our jobs. So I want to direct everyone to the article at WNG.org, Iowa jailer fired for Christian views. The official shared his religious beliefs about gay marriage and Islam um, online a number of years ago, um, and um, and he has lost his job for it, having never received any negative reviews for his performance. And so we want to be lifting up this uh, this brother in Christ who has lost his job um, and is now uh, suing um, in relationship to it. So Dean Naylor. In county in Iowa, down there on the Mississippi River, and um, so we just want to be lifting him up in prayer. You can read the whole article by Steve West at WNG, that's for worldnewsgroup.org. Iowa jailer fired for Christian views. Um, Steve, I feel like that's going to be an unfolding story that we can return to in the future. Yes? Yeah, I think it will, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this is one one that's going to uh, garner a lot of attention and, and, and rise into a conversation. All right, Steve, as always, thank you so much. You guys need to get the Liberties Roundup um, from Steve each and every week. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, we talked a bit yesterday um, about the uh, the challenge presented by China, highlighted by both the FBI here in the United States and MI5 in Great Britain. We have news this morning that Chinese fighter jets have crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait, um, doing so in what are described as provocative moves, seriously damaging uh, regional peace and stability. Um, China is up to no good. I mean, I know that we we talk about it frequently. Um, and uh, and I think that we need to continue highlighting um, the challenge that China poses um, today. We're going to talk with Chris Martin in just a minute about the reality of TikTok and its parent company, which is a Chinese company that opens all opens all of its information related to TikTok users um, to to the government. Uh, so there you go. We're going to talk about privacy, your privacy, your data, your kids. Congress's concern about that um, and and TikTok here in just a moment uh, with Chris Martin. But let me uh, highlight this one item of social uh, Internet uh, news this morning, and that is in relationship to Twitter. Twitter is saying in response to Elon Musk's concern about uh, how many uh, fake and false accounts are on uh, the social media platform. Twitter now says it removes a million spam accounts every single day. Day after day after day after day. Twitter says it removes a... I'm just going to read the lead paragraph here from the AP, if I can scroll down to it. Twitter said it removes a million spam accounts each day. 
In a call with its executives on Thursday, during a briefing aimed to shed more light on the company's fake and bot accounts um, as it continues to tussle with Elon Musk over, quote, spam bots. So that is the ongoing um, news related to Twitter and Elon Musk's bid to buy Twitter um, once it has cleaned up its account numbers. It's currently removing a million spam accounts a day. Chris Martin with the Terms of Service blog is up next. Chris Martin joins us now. He is an editor for Moody Press and he is a social media consultant. Welcome back, sir. All right, I uh, I told I told everybody to uh, delete TikTok yesterday. So um, talk with us about TikTok and privacy concerns being raised by Congress. Yeah, sure. I have not deleted TikTok yet, so I'm uh, I'm a bad I'm a bad you're social not media person. You're not you're yeah. not following the Carmen the the Carmen recommendation. I also told <laughs> them to set their phones uh, to ghost on uh, on Snapchat. So there you go. Yeah, those were yeah, my yeah, yeah. those are, so, those have been my two social media recommendations this week. Sure. So the U.S. government um, noted uh, the U.S. government noted privacy uh, abuser, I guess you could say, is concerned about how the Chinese government may be abusing its own citizens or the United States citizens' privacy um, by a popular app called TikTok. So TikTok, if you've never heard of it, where have you been? But really, TikTok is a huge uh, short-form video service, much like Vine of old. Vine was owned by Twitter, who could never figure out how to monetize Vine. So Vine died a number of years ago, sadly. Uh, But TikTok is a sort of spiritual successor. Um, It was originally uh, just a a sort of Chinese-based app. It acquired a United States app called Musical.ly, which was a short-form video app built around uh, people lip syncing or dancing to music. When it acquired Musical.ly, it kind of made its way into the United States and obviously exploded during the coronavirus pandemic, especially early on in in 2020. Um, Former President Trump tried to basically give it a death sentence um, toward the end of his tenure. And uh, it never really went through. It didn't process um, by the time President Trump left office and then the new administration decided not to proceed with banning TikTok from the United States. Um, But now uh, leaders on the Senate Intelligence Committee are a bit concerned as it's become apparent uh, that that TikTok was acquiring and, and storing United States citizens user data on Chinese servers, uh, more than they let on. And frankly, it sounds like they kind of lied about it. Now, um, it sounds like it's maybe not as egregious as it could be. Um, there, It's unclear how much data they're storing on Chinese servers, um, but it is more than they let on and more than is than, than the United States government is comfortable with. And so um, bipartisan, a bipartisan group of United States senators are kind of trying to figure out what to do. I think it's unlikely, and and most people that I've read think it's unlikely that there will be an outright ban of TikTok like President Trump was pursuing uh, toward the end of his term in office. Uh, however, it what, what I could see happening and what some politicians are kind of angling for is Apple and Google banning the app from its app stores, which that 
is much more like which would effectively ban the app from the United States. Um, Now, it would not be the government saying TikTok, you are not allowed to operate here. That would be a lot harder. Obviously, there's a lot more red tape that the government would have to go through to make that happen. However, uh, if the government pressured Google and Apple in light of the privacy concerns to make the app unavailable in their app stores, which is a decision that those companies can totally make without uh, without concern because they're private companies who can decide not to carry apps who who breach policies that they have. Uh, Apple and Google do this every day, thousands of times per day for apps that they think are violating their policies. Um, so if the government, if the United States government pressures these gatekeepers who own our app stores to prevent the app from being carried in their app stores, that would effectively be banning the app from the United States. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I, I'm, I'm concerned, but frankly, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm, I kind of expected this to happen. Uh, most most people who say we're not, we promise we're not mishandling your data, have proven to be kind of deceptive over time. Facebook mm-hmm. chief among them, and so um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I think it's interesting, you know, so much. A lot of people are super spooked by China having their data on their servers. Um, and again, TikTok has said that the Chinese government has never been given access to this data, which fine, but I don't really like buy that necessarily. Um, however, I think it's I, I think it's just kind of interesting that people trust Facebook more. Uh, you know, just to give an example, I, I don't I don't see any reason to trust Facebook having my data. Uh, any more than the Chinese government, frankly. Um, uh, and th- that's just because I have a pretty low view of like Facebook and their use and their handling of user data. Um, but I don't, I think if you're freaking out about TikTok having you or your child's data on a Chinese server, um, start asking questions also about what data Facebook has on you and if that's really that much better. Well, and, we're, and when we talk about Facebook, um, we're now talking about Meta. So just, you know, for those of you listening, just recognize that, you know, Facebook is now Meta. And Meta is now not, you know, this is not something that's just um, operating on a platform called Facebook. This is now um, a, a very wide effort to create and build a a different universe, so to speak, Um and really based largely at this point in India, taking up a lot of real estate and a lot of intellectual real estate in um, in India. And I just think that when we think of if we think of Facebook as being a U.S. company and we think of TikTok as being you know owned by China and therefore, you know, TikTok should be more suspicious because it's its parent company is Chinese. Uh, you know, Facebook's parent company, Meta, is now much less American than it ever has been in the past. It's it's now, I mean, it, it's it's hugely focused and featured um, and, and based in India as its growing footprint and plat- platform. Sure. And I, I just, I generally don't buy into the concern that a malicious foreign government a la China having user data from TikTok is really that much worse right. than a malicious U.S.-based company a la Meta slash Facebook having user data. Um, because it's as Facebook's big as a country. Routinely... I mean, that's yeah. as big as a country. Well, yeah, yeah. Financially yeah. powerful and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So anyway, I think I think, I think think uh, if you're concerned about TikTok having your data 
start also asking questions about some other huge companies that you maybe implicitly trust having your data and, and whether or not you should implicitly trust them. Okay, so now let's talk about Apple and a new feature called extreme protection or extreme lockdown. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, What's going all of, on? All of our all of our uh, topics on the docket today are all very similar, and I'm excited <laughs> to talk about the row one perhaps post uh, post break because yes, that's absolutely. a huge one as well. Um, but yeah, we're here here we're talking about privacy and and Apple um, Apple who's who's a noted. Uh, privacy champion, uh, as they call privacy a human right, and privacy is at the core of of what they care about and what they do. Apple, unlike so many massive tech companies today, do not make money off of user data, um, like Google or Amazon or Meta slash Facebook, etc. And so Apple uh, is introducing, uh, probably into the new operating system we all receive on our iPhones in the fall, uh, a, and, and onto new Mac computers, um, a mode called lockdown mode. And what this does, it's not going to be for probably anybody listening to this radio program, myself included. Um, but it's going to be for people who, who may be specifically targeted for, um, malicious cyber attacks via their Mac devices. Um, so this is often like journalists or people working in foreign countries, um, who, who may be targeted, you know, people who, who work for the U S government or work for, uh, an entity that may interact with other governments around the world who may be kind of spied upon by very um, intricate and in incredibly sophisticated surveillance programs. Um, this is not for you and I trying to keep uh, phishing emails out of our emails. This is not for that. This is for if uh, if a foreign entity is trying to hack into your phone by just simply sending you a message to your iPhone that all you have to do is read in order for them to take over your phone. Such hacks exist. And in fact, noted privacy abuser, the U.S. government uses a program like this called Pegasus to uh, to do just that. And so the um, I think we we should be aware of this feature. However, most of us aren't going to use this. Um, most of us are not going to use lockdown mode. I just think it is really cool that Apple is is providing a feature for iPhone users and, and Apple product users to lock down their phones. And I mean, this is going to make it so you can't FaceTime with people who like aren't in your contact list. It's going to make it so that a lot of like links or other apps and programs simply are not going to work. Um, this is really to lock down your phone in a super secure way so that you you're basically only interacting with known entities and known people. Um, and, and it, it would make using your iPhone for the typical user quite difficult. But if you found yourself in a precarious situation where you may be concerned that you're being specifically targeted in a cyber attack, uh, it would be a way for you to still be able to use your phone and maintain some level of protection, at least for now, you know, until some program comes along and is able to crack this. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. How do we protect our devices is one thing. And how do we protect ourselves from our devices being um, a gateway into everything about our lives? Um, I did discover recently that my um, my new laptop has a little switch at the very top where I can turn off the camera. Uh, unfortunately, Chris, I didn't know that when I was trying to do a Zoom call. And I'm like, why is my camera not working? And I embarrassingly called the IT person and he's like, um, your your camera now has like a slide bar shut off at the top. I'm like, 
Wow. Okay, great new features. So sometimes it's as simple as a little slide lock at the top that shuts your camera off, and other times it's something as complex as Apple's new extreme lockdown feature coming to protect your device uh, this fall. Um, Chris Martin and I will be right back. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about technology in relationship to and big tech in relationship to the reversal of Roe, the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case, and what's going on there. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. President Biden is set to sign an executive order today in an attempt to, quote, safeguard access to reproductive health care services, including abortion and contraception. Um, That is following the ruling of the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, So be looking for that executive order to be signed today. I think that it is largely going to direct the Department of Health and Human services to uh, take action to protect access to abortion medication um, across the country. So I would expect that's what's going on. But also there's going to be some stuff in there about patient privacy and digital surveillance. So we're talking with Chris Martin today. Chris, what's going on with big tech and the reversal of Roe? Obviously, with the reversal of Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision, as we heard about in the last couple of weeks, um, there's a lot of discussion about how this will affect big tech. Um, And what you have in big tech is uh, giant companies, some of the biggest in the world with with revenues larger than many large countries. Uh, These these tech giants grew big and rich by uh, accumulating and monetizing gigantic hordes of personal user data um, and this user data drove the industry's rise and they shape this data shapes everything that it does um, and and you have in this I mean you have obviously Google is Google's the biggest here now now Facebook is huge because um, we give it so we give Facebook so much data uh, but but Facebook's data is largely um, centered around obviously the Facebook and Instagram platforms Um Google's kind of reach, Google's tentacles of data collection reach so far beyond Google search, obviously. Uh, Google Maps. Uh, every time, if you have if you have location services turned on on your phone, every time you open YouTube when you're uh, on a road trip or or something like that, um, when you open YouTube, you're giving Google your location data. It's not like you're just giving Google your location data when you use Google Maps. You're giving lo- Google your location data anytime you engage with a Google-based service on a device that has location services enabled. And so Google is probably kind of right in the bullseye of this conversation because Google has not only obviously search history and search results, but they also have um, location data like I described. They have so much sensitive data ab- about us, especially when it comes to particularly personal locations. As they've described, Google has defined, quote, per- particularly personal locations as counseling centers, domestic violence shelters, abortion clinics, fertility centers, addiction treatment facilities, weight loss clinics, cosmetic surgery clinics, and other such sensitive locations. And and some are wondering uh, either they're concerned or they're excited, depending on how they feel about the reversal of Roe, that Google may be compelled in um, prosecution proceedings uh, for people who are who are being you know tried for having an abortion or or, or facilitating an abortion. Um, 
that that Google may be compelled to hand over user data of people who have been accused of um, of facilitating or, or having an abortion um, uh, done. And so the question is is kind of uh, how do we feel about this? And is this good? Is this is this OK? And I think um, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume Carmen, that most of the people listening to your program are probably pretty excited about the overturn of Roe, understandably so. Um, however, and, and I'm guessing, you know, most conservatives generally who 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 have long advocated for small government uh, are are excited about the overturn of Roe. However, um, while we are right, in my view, to be excited about the overturn of Roe, uh, we would be foolish and in my view, hypocritical, if we were excited at the prospect of big big tech companies being compelled to hand over user data uh, in the enforcement of the overturn of, of Roe. Uh, and the reason is, I, I think, is that it would violate our uh, the, the conservative value of small government. Um, I've never understood why Christians generally or conservatives specifically – um, are in love with the idea of big tech surveilling uh, uh, American citizens. And, and I think repeatedly conservatives have somehow shown um, an interest in that or, or a, like, in order to enforce things like this. And I don't think we should be – those of us who are even excited about the overturn of Roe should be excited about the prospect of big tech companies such as Google being compelled to hand over user data of people who – have maybe visited an abortion clinic or, or have somehow shown that maybe they were engaging the idea of having an abortion. Um, not only do I think that's problematic in and of itself, I think we should resist the idea that the government should compel private companies to hand over the data of their users when those users um, are, are maybe engaging in conduct that, they sh- that the government deems they shouldn't be. And I think Christians don't have to get very imaginative about how this could turn against Christians not too far into the distant future. Yeah, I was going to just do the shoe on the other foot here. So uh, put the shoe on the other foot for just a moment. Um, If you um, if you visit a crisis pregnancy center um, because you are there to support their work and if you visit an abortion provider because you're there to um, pray because you're there to um, to stand on the sidewalk, because you're there to provide ministry um, and maybe alternative resources to people who are um, considering an abortion, like you're being tracked as well, and that same information would be uh, would be provided um, in relationship to you. And so, you know, just all you have to do is put the shoe on the other foot for just a moment um, and consider why uh, why this kind of data mining and surveillance and making it available to the government would be bad. I would just be bad. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris, anything uh, in walk off comment um, on any of this on this uh, Friday morning? Yeah, I think the one last thing I would say, just kind of you, what you said is very good, kind of succinct view of it. I would say this: um, if you have a problem with a faraway government, uh, an authoritarian government using internet user data to squelch the church in that faraway authoritarian government um, to to stamp out the church in a in a country where Christianity is frowned upon or even illegal. Um, I think 
we should we should do everything we can to prevent a slide toward that sort of idea here. And and I think we uh, we should not be OK with the government compelling companies to hand over user data for the uh, for things such as this, because I don't like where that where that's headed. And my hope is that in our excitement about Roe, we don't lose our heads about long term um, concerns. And I just, I just don't think the ends justify the means, I guess is how I would put it. And I think, um, we should be concerned about the means even as much as we care about the ends here. And I don't think the means are really justified. And I think we should be, um, we should have an eye on this, even as we maybe are excited about the overturn of Roe. All right. And, um, and just let me ask a quick question. If I have an Android phone, I actually can't turn location off for Google because Google owns Android. Uh, yeah, that's my understanding. I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm just noting that. <clears throat> I tried while we were talking, and I couldn't do it. All right, there's Chris Martin. Um, we are so thankful for you. Thank you for what you're doing at Moody Press and um, on the Terms of Service blog. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and we'll be right back. It's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, 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 some, some, summertime, summertime. All right, it is summertime. Uh, quick Friday farm report. I just have three things to say. One is sunflowers grow even when it's super hot and there's not a lot of rain and they're beautiful. I have a lot of dead grass right now, which means I don't have to mow. And we have so many bees and we're not beekeepers right now. So from whence come all these bees? That is my that is my big question of the day. All right. That is the Friday Farm Report. We are picking fruit where I live. Hopefully you are cultivating the culture where you live. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.